Father, we just lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you for our Lord and our Savior who gives us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And this morning we want your word to have its way. So we lose the spirits of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And we thank you that every heart will be filled with that which is of you. And that which is needed in this hour. That your word is a now word. And a word that can project us into the future with great understanding and expectation of all that you have prepared in this world and for us individually. That we might have the whole future. That we might be blessed in everything we do and say. Give us the unction and the anointing in a greater measure than we've had it up to now. We ask this by expanding and enlarging our ability to receive. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You know, one of the aspects of my prayer to God these last, I don't know, maybe a year or less, is intensifying on purity, on being pure before God. And I had several thoughts on what the advantages of purity are. Sunday school is released, I'm sorry. Um, and, I, and I noticed that with, with purity, there are several ways of discerning and understanding that is not available otherwise. And purity brings you closer to God so that you can receive from God the things that He has prepared for you in purity. So, oftentimes God sets people apart to be pure. They were known as the Nazarites. And then the fruit priests were set apart and they were sanctified and anointed and, and they were pure so that they could enter into the presence of the Lord. Otherwise they would be burnt up. And then so many other aspects of purity was mentioned in the Bible about purifying yourself washing yourself and coming into the presence of the Lord. So the aspect of purity and the method of purity is all written out for us in the Old Testament very clearly. But when Jesus came, the whole thing changed. And the aspect of purity and the relationship with Christ to bring purity takes on a new significance which is covered under the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. These are the three elements that work on earth to bring us into a place where we can walk with God in purity. Today I'm going to talk to you about an entirely different subject. Uh, the reason being that I start by telling you this is because the subject that follows is going to be determined by how much you understand purity and how much you know what it means so that when you do come into this subject I'm going to talk about you'll know what to do so if you have your Bibles with you please come with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20 
And Deuteronomy is a very uh, central book in the scheme of things, of God's purposes, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. And we need to understand what God is saying here so that we can partake of His divine nature. The title of my message is The Pathway of Choosing. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that, thou, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Then go across and have a look at verses, uh, verse 15 of the same chapter. It says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil. Now in both these passages, there's a slight difference. In 15, it talks about uh, good and evil. Meaning to say that was in the Garden of Eden. The same setting of these words were in the Garden of Eden. God set a tree of good and evil. And he set a tree of life. And he said, you choose which one you're going to eat. But you're not supposed to eat of the one that is of good and evil. So the option to choose was given with a commandment. Amen? So now when you look at the words that are being used, you begin to understand the mind of God and the heart of God. Because he says, I have set before you. So the idea of setting something before you is saying, look, you have an option. Okay? I'm, I'm placing it on the table. I'm opening my heart and I'm telling you who I am and this is how I operate. And it's up to you to accept the way I work. Not to question it, but to accept it the way I work. The big difference, because a lot of Christians question the way God works. So they lose faith because they question God. He said, who are you in Romans 9.23, who are you to question God? Because He can do what He wants, He can make a vessel unto wrath, He can make a vessel unto uh, honor, dishonor, whatever He wants. So when something is set before you, right? And God is giving you an option to choose. And then telling you how to choose, you must choose wisely. Amen? Amen? Because what, can, what is set before you can have a connotation that is not godly. 
even though it has come from the throne room. Hello, are you listening to me this morning? Right? Even though it has come from the throne room, it is not something that you must choose. And the reason God has put that in front of us is to determine who we are going to be and who we are going to choose and what it is that we are going to choose. So oftentimes people talk in the positive only and they leave the negative out. I say you cannot know the positive unless you know the negative. Okay? You won't know what is good unless you know what is evil. So don't go and call good evil and evil good. When you know it, it is bad. Right? So we are in a state of being at the moment in the world when we are having to make certain choices. So if we take the Old Testament and say, okay, now that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, I'm no longer under a curse. Christ has died for me. And uh, now I've come into the blessings of Abraham. So I've got all the redemptive factors of what Jesus did. And I'm not in a place where I need to worry about Deuteronomy 30 verses 19 and 20. Big mistake. Big mistake. Reason being that he has taken Deuteronomy 30 verses 19 and 20 and placed it in Christ Jesus in the New Testament. Okay, now if you look at Christ hanging on the cross, He is the one who took the curse of Deuteronomy 30, 28 and 30 and all of the curses that were there in the Bible. He took it on Himself, went to the cross and you see Him hanging on the cross. So all you see is the curse. So Christ hanging on a cross is the curse. But an empty cross is the blessing. Amen. Amen. So, now because it is in Christ Jesus on the cross, it, and, and he, he is now the perfecter of our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith, we translate this new Old Testament passage into the New Testament passage. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 15 and 16. For we are unto God a sweet savour or perfume of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the perfume or savour of death unto death, and to the other the savour of life unto life, and who is sufficient for these things. So, if you don't choose Jesus, you are in a curse because you are still under the law. Simple as that. Okay? No person can go into the presence of the Father except they go through Jesus. Now that's an established truth that we believe. Right? But what people do is they come into Jesus and then they go out of Jesus 
And what they're doing is they're going out into a curse again. So the moment they're in the curse, the only redemptive factor for them again is to repent and come back into Christ Jesus. Because only in Christ Jesus is the blessing. Only in Christ Jesus is the life. So, so what God is saying is choose Jesus. Right? Yes, you say naturally. But do you all the time, every time. Because to Jesus is attached commandments. To Jesus is attached his way of doing things. The same way that God spoke in Deuteronomy and he said, I've said before you, Jesus too is doing the same thing. And he says, if, he read it today, if you continue in the faith. The same thing. Why, why discount it? Why, why are we now suddenly lifting Jesus up as a carte blanche thing that if we confess and don't obey his commandments, we'll, we'll be okay? No, we're not. You can't have the idea or the, the concept of Jesus without the life of Jesus. You can try. You go to theology and go to you know, all sorts of meanings and have the form of godliness, but not the power. And life from Christ is power. It's, it's understanding, it's knowledge, it's revelation, it's coming into a place of living with Christ, in Christ, and through Christ, what God has purposed for us. So since Jesus is life, and again he read that today, his words are spirit and Life. In other words, what is God saying to us in the New Testament is, choose my son's words. Don't choose your own thoughts. Don't choose your own words. Choose my son's words, but choose it in the context of how it is revealed to you, not you what you want to understand out of it. So if you go and preach something to somebody of what you understand of the word of God, it doesn't give life. It doesn't add life. So you must get the word of life from the son of life and then give it to the other people who need life so that they can come out of that situation. So you have to choose his words. You might be tempted in a situation to say your own words. Because you want to get to this person or you want something to happen and, and you are trying to use your own words and God says, no, you're choosing the wrong words. They're not the right words. So we have to choose the commandments of Jesus in order to live and receive blessings and avoid curses. This is the essence of why things aren't going well with the world because Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive so every person you deal with outside of the context of Jesus is under a curse. So you're automatically dealing with a curse that has come upon them by the design of God that His Son should be accepted in order for blessings to work. So when you are ministering to them, you're dealing with curses. And you should know how to break the curse over them. So that you can bring them into the knowledge of Jesus. 
Everyone who does not receive Jesus as Lord and Savior is under a curse. Every Christian who disobeys and walks in ignorance of Jesus and his work on the cross is under a curse. Every Christian. You know, many, many Christians become Christians by virtue of uh, saying a prayer, saying a prayer. They, they have not had an encounter with Jesus. They have not met him and known him for themselves. They have not received the life of Christ. They have received the image of Christ. They have received the context or the knowledge of Christ. But they have not received the person of Christ. So they are not saved. But they can say things about Jesus, they can write books about Jesus, they can do a lot of things about Jesus, but they are not saved themselves. Because they haven't had the life-giving force of God go through their system and change them from out of the curse into the blessing. So many Christians today, or so-called Christians, are choosing to do the same thing that people in the world do because they love the world. In Deuteronomy 30, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. <laughs> Don't love the world. He didn't say, Love the world. We can go and argue with God and say, But God, you made the world, so why shouldn't I love the world? He said, Because I'm thirsty. It's no longer valid to me in the state and condition that it is. So don't go looking for anything of any spiritual value in the world. There's nothing there. It's been taken out. Then you lost it in the garden of Eden when you chose to eat of the tree of good and evil. See, many people tell me especially in India. You don't understand, brother. I was forced to do it. I said, I'm sorry, I can't accept that. You're not forced to do it. You might have been threatened. You might have been uh, coerced, even deceived, but you were never forced to do it. Because you always had choice. You always had choice. It took Satan to deceive Eve before she chose to eat. She always had the opportunity to say no. And God had given her clear instructions not to eat of this thing. And you know, today's world, what people are doing is they're saying, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, but I was forced into that situation. Sorry, it doesn't cut with God. Because you have your faculties and you have your understanding given to you by God. You're a Christian, you're born again, you know the word of God, you understand. And your circumstances and situations in life may have coerced you into a situation of choosing that which is evil. But it's not from God. You always have a choice. You always had the ability to say no. The consequences of saying no might have been too great for you to say yes. You know, you want you want to say uh, you know no to uh, say, say, say drugs and alcohol, and then you think, oh, well, I'll miss out on that. You know, and God says, no, that's not going to save you. 
uh, I want no to sex and uh, you know all sorts of things of uh, filth of the world. Uh, that's not going to save you, and you're going to say no because the temptation comes. Or anything else, steal money or murder or any, anything in the world, anything that is, you know, not of God. Somebody would say, oh, well, you know, uh, I had to make that decision for my family's sake. That's a common excuse. Yeah, that, that doesn't cut with God. Right? He's saying choose life. Because it's not me that is making this thing happen in your life that is negative. It's you. Amen. He said, but how so? He said, because I've drawn the line. And if you cross the line, then it's you, not me. He said, how can you draw the line? It's because I've gone. I have set before you. That's drawing the line. I've set before you. See, this is how God operates. We don't want God to operate in that way. We want God to operate in the way we think. So we tell everybody, you know, it's okay, man. Don't worry. Get by. You'll get by. God will come back at some stage and save you. I'm telling you, don't listen to people who cannot tell you the truth. Never listen to people because the, the truth is, you know, all covered up nowadays into all nice little packages, sweet packages and, and made to look like God doesn't care about purity and holiness and righteousness and all of those things. He's deeply interested in those things. Not slightly, he's deeply interested in those things. Right? So tell the truth, tell the truth because you'll save the person by telling the truth. So why aren't things going well for us when it should be is because probably we've made the wrong choice. And, and, and there is a possibility that there is some curse operating out of making the wrong choice. So we've got to begin to understand what the truth says and choose wisely. The reason I find that many Christians don't follow God implicitly and obediently and instantly is because they see the wicked get away with stuff. I'm not talking about just the wicked in the world, I'm talking about the wicked in amongst us. They get away with stuff. Say, so God, how come you're not judging that person? You know, you're telling me to walk strenuously and implicitly with you, but you're not doing the same for that person. He's also a child of yours. Well, and God says, well, that's between me and him. That's between me and him or her. But you walk correctly with me and, you know, your path becomes more profitable and more, uh, how do I say, uh, bringing you closer to God. Because you've chosen the narrow path. They've chosen the broad path. And God's warning them, saying, destruction awaits you. But they're not listening. You can't see it because they're prospering. 
they're making money, they're building big houses, they're traveling the world, they're fornicating, they're lying, they're cheating, they're doing whatever they want to do. And you know, under the label of Christianity, and here you are fasting, praying, crying out unto God, worshiping God, wanting Him to move, and you don't seem to see much happening at all of God coming into your situation. But every time they cry out to God, they get an answer, but you don't get an answer. And suddenly you're comparing and you're saying, God, what are you doing? Why are you answering the wicked? Why aren't you answering me? I'm the righteous one. And he says, you don't know anything. He says, you don't know anything. Come with me to the book of Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verses 35 and 36. It says, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but could not be found. <laughs> what happened to the wicked now? He can't even be found. He's been totally uprooted from where he was planted to the point where he spread his wings out and he was known as the bee's knees of the world and suddenly he's gone and you can't even find him. You can't even find him. You know how many billionaires and billionaires have killed themselves? Actually committed suicide around the world. The moment there's a stock crash, they throw themselves out of the window of the 50th floor or something else. Because they've lost everything. Nobody remembers. Everybody forgets it. They go looking for that guy. You remember that guy? He used to be the big, uh, you know, trader of stocks. And said, what are we talking about? We don't know who he is. Nations that have been wicked before God, they don't exist anymore. Their names are in the Bible. You go looking for them, you can't even find them. There's no demographic, there's no boundary, there's no geography on them. They're not there, they're gone. Don't worry about the wicked. Don't worry about the man who's making it through wicked methods and what it is that he is achieving. Consider your way. Whether you have chosen the right path, whether that path is for you, and that becomes more difficult because not only is it that you have to choose a righteous and a holy path, you have to choose the path that God has chosen for you. That means you've got to seek the heart of God to find out what it is that God has chosen for you. Because the moment you choose that, the devil will come along and say, Hey, look, the anointing is greater on the other side. You should be over there. And God says, No, you'll be here. And suddenly you try to follow that anointing and try to imitate that anointing. God is looking for those who understand His ways. So, if the wicked are being removed like that, how is it relevant to our choosing today? I want to tell you very strenuously that the day of choosing is even more upon us now than it has ever been. What you choose today to do, to speak, to think, to say, or whatever it is, you know, it's your choice. As I said, I told Pastor Corey, once words leave your mouth, you can't take it back. So choose 
carefully what you say. Choose carefully what you say because your words carry life or death with it. Right? It can be a blessing or it can be a curse. Because thoughts rise up in us in anger or frustration or some other way that are negative and we want to speak it out, but don't speak it out. Find your thought and say, no, you leave me. I'm going to choose the right way with God. I'm going to have virtuous thoughts. I'm going to have good thoughts. I'm going to have thoughts that are going to bless. Like Jesus said, like God said in 29.11 of Jeremiah, He said, my thoughts toward you are good and not evil. So we must have the same thought, even though we are getting buffeted, even though we are getting hammered by those we are having good thoughts to, and they are hitting us for having those good thoughts to them, and accusing us of things that are not, not even done. And yet we are supposed to have good thoughts, and that God says, yeah, choose to forgive, choose to love, choose to bless, don't choose to curse, that's my way. And then so we say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and I bless those who curse me. How often can we do that? The one who has cursed you, right? The one who has taken everything from you, has destroyed you, has made your reputation like mud, and has taken away the best of the best from you. Guys, forgiving the person who murdered his father, He's forgiving him in the name of Jesus because he chooses to forgive the man who murdered his father. That's how strenuous it is about choosing. Right? Everything you do, every day, what you do, you know, you cannot say, you know, your life is where it is at today because you chose it to be. Yeah. Yeah. You've chosen it to be where it is today. It's nobody's fault. Don't blame anybody else. You've chosen along the way how to live your life, who to marry, what school to study in. All of those things were chosen by you after you became an adult. And, and you chose your life. You've chosen your lifestyle. You've chosen the place you want to live. You've chosen the kind of house you want to build and live in. You've chosen the countries you want to go to. Do whatever you have to do. You chose it. You chose your wife and you chose your husband. Now live with it. Right? Whatever it is. So you, you choose and then you go and ask God, uh, you know, change this around. And God says, no, I'm not going to change it around. You chose her. Maybe He warned you and said, don't choose this way. Right? And you chose. I know I've done that. The day of our choosing is upon us. If we were smart, we would choose life and blessings, not life for wicked. We decided to follow the world. See, whenever I, I, I chose anything for myself, or I chose anything on the world, I never prospered. I never did. Always, it looked good, it looked alluring, it looked fantastic, it had all the symptoms of being a good choice, and when I touched it, it turned into mud. It was cursed. Because I, I had not sought the one who can give me wisdom in choosing. So I chose wrongly. 
Many choose a lifestyle of the wicked. Many choose a life that is worldly. Many don't care what they choose in life. All this ends in death. So we must realize that if we are to change where we are now into what we want God to do for us, what we know is prepared for us, we have to choose wisely. Because it's said before, it's not like it's hidden and saying, oh, well, God, God, you don't care, you know, uh, you have not given me this, you have not, you have not blessed me with that, you know. Like we often hear that everything was done on the cross and God has done it and it's all set. Yes, it has all been set before you, but have you taken it? Have you chosen it? Have you made it your bedfellow? Have you made it your primary objective in life? And then secondly, have you made God your primary objective in life? It's not just choosing a blessing, it's choosing the one who blesses. Right? So, uh, Anoja used to work for uh, Emirates and, and her boss often would tell her uh, when we were coming back, can you bring me a bottle of scotch from the duty free? Mm-hmm. And we said no. Sorry, we can't bring you a bottle of scotch. We Christians, we don't drink and we do not believe in blessing somebody with alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have turned against us. He could have been a curse to us because we didn't bless him. But he turned out to be more of a blessing because he was convicted of our convictions and he admired us for our convictions. Not everyone does, okay? But there are discerning people who can admire you for your convictions in God because they, they, they associate a trust with that. And they say, if that person is a godly person, and thinks that way, that means I can trust that person. That is why the devil is breaking down the offices that are in the pulpit and making it an untrustworthy office. So when pastors fool around with their congregation and their children and you know and all sorts of money stealing and sex, it's a breakdown of the trust. So they don't want to choose the pastor anymore. I don't want to go to church because it's a, it's a place full of worldly stuff. I choose not to go. So by choosing not to go, something happens because you've fallen into the arena of opening the doors to demonic forces that come in on the basis of what is already cursed. Jesus went to the cross by the will of God. He chose to follow the will of God. He said, a body has thou prepared for me. In the garden of Gethsemane, he said, yes, not my will, your will be done. But he chose the will of God. He didn't have to, but he did. Today we are going to be asked by God and by the devil, what are you choosing? What are you choosing? Because that, what you choose carries with it blessing or curse. Life or death, evil or good. And it will work and operate in that arena. And no matter what you cry out to God to do, 
It won't get done till you realize that you made the wrong choice. That's why repentance is there. See, the conviction of sin, the conviction of wrongdoing, comes by the Holy Spirit. And He's constantly telling both the saved and the unsaved, listen, you're not walking with God. You need to change your ways. So it gets to a point where there's so much pressure on that person. They're either at the point of committing suicide or some other dangerous thing that's going to happen in their life. And then they come to the realization of the truth. They say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I choose you now. And that thing goes away. Completely resolved, solved, and out of the hands of Satan. That's how easy it is. We sat here and we counseled the person who told us about all their sorrows and problems and uh, difficulties in life and I said, well, there are some aspects of where you've made wrong choices. You need to submit to God's word and yield to the, yeah, I know. As they're talking to us, God delivered. I don't have to do anything. I know that I don't have to do anything. They got delivered. They got set free. There's no, no great ministry of anointing that you need to set a person free. It says the truth will set them free. You don't need really great anointing. You need the Word. Everybody must come to the Word of God. Everybody must bow down to the Word of God. They might not listen. That's a different thing. But if they listen, they will be saved. It's a guarantee. They're, at least in that situation, they'll be brought out of that situation. How they progress after that, like you see deliverance happening so many times. And people come and say, oh, you know, the pastor's got a word of knowledge. He says, oh, you've been sleeping around, you know, and you've had three husbands and blah, blah, blah. Like Jesus said to this woman at the Samaritan, Samaritan woman at the well. And, you know, and, and they have to accept it. They say, okay, pastor, I need to get the demons are bothering me. Can you get it up? Okay, out you go, demons. Okay, I'm not judging you, but out you go demons. Okay, the demons leave because of authority. And then this woman or this person is left without the, what do you call it, the garnishing, is it? Or, or the, the house is empty, right? Vacant. But sometimes not only the house is vacant, the mind is also vacant. What do they do? They leave the church, they go, oh, hallelujah, Jesus, I got saved, I got healed, I got delivered. Walk straight out the door and the devil's waiting for them. So where have you been? I've got the choice offerings that you left behind waiting for you. You can pick it up anytime you want. And they pick it up. And get possessed or oppressed again. Eight times worse than the first time. The constant sign. And then they are the ones who come along and say that uh, they are Christians and that they are choosing wisely. They are not choosing wisely. They are choosing unwisely. What has been told them not to choose? Don't take this thing. It's a bad thing. A guy was offering me in the car late at night, 7, 8 o'clock at night, he was offering me a business, an Indian guy. Now he's right into witchcraft and all this other stuff. And you know, and the spirit of lust 
for business came upon me, came out of him, I could see it. It came out of him and wanted to enter me. Now I'm sitting right next to him in the car. I opened the door and I ran for my life. Yeah. I said, I'm out of here, man. And you're not following me. Because I'm not going to choose this kind of thing. No matter how much I want it, no matter how much I desire it, no matter how much it looks good, I don't want it. Because it's not godly, it's not coming from God, it's coming from the devil. And you're causing me to choose wrongly so I can get trapped into your sin. No, I'm not going to do that. The eyes, the senses of a human being, often puts you in a place where you make wrong choices. Often, everything from, you know, sex to gluttony to anything else, but when there is no discipline in a person, you will make the wrong choices, right? Smoking, drinking, uh, you know, not reading the Bible, not taking time to pray, all those wrong choices. Wrong choices. You can't say to God, I'm too busy. You can't say to God, I'm so deprived and depraved. And you know, I've gone through such a thing in my life. And you don't understand the pain and the sorrow and all of those things. But, said, but son, you haven't come and sat down with me. Daughter, you haven't come and sat down with me to get the blessing. You're only just looking at the cursing that is there upon your life by your own desire. Come into the throne room and get the blessing. He's talking lovingly, he's reaching out lovingly, he's asking you to come, he's asking, he wants to bless. Look, one of the greatest desires of God is to bless us. Amen. Right? We're always equated to riches. It's not. He's talking about peace, he's talking about joy, he's talking about walking in unity with your fellow man, he's talking about all sorts of other things other than money. Right? We have to choose. Lord, I, I, a, when he went for a crusade, met up with a friend for 20, after 21 years, they invited him for lunch, and the Holy Spirit said to him, why you? A beautiful lunch was laid out. <coughs> Get up and go and pray in the room. He said, Lord, I've just met these people after 21 years, and they're dear friends. And a beautiful lunch, and they've just laid the lunch. I want to sit here and eat. He said, Get up and go and pray in the room. He said no. He sat there and he ate his food. In the evening he went for the crusade. No Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit. Nothing happened. So he cried unto the Lord. The Lord said, I told you to go and pray. Choose God. Love the Lord with all your heart. Listen to him. Obey him. Understand his ways. Don't argue with him. Don't fight with him. You know, just bow down to him and say, Lord, I don't understand your ways, but I, I know who you are. I have my in, in, immense trust in the, that you would not let my soul suffer in heaven. I don't understand. Why do I have to suffer? Why do I have to go through this part of suffering? When the other person is not, and they are doing quite well, but you know, you're putting me through a difficult part. Why? Just obey. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't always make sense. God always offers us a choice in life and He abides by the choices we make. Amen?
In a sense, what you sow, you reap. But you can choose to rectify what you reap if it turns out negative by repentance, which is also a choice. See, God always gives us a way out. Hallelujah for that. But you've got to choose the way out. Right? Since when you go to choose the way out, several doors will open. Yeah. Right? They said they will all say exit door here. They will all say exit door. Now you don't know which one to go Because you can't go through all the doors. You can only go through one door. They all say exit. Now which one do you exit out of? Because if you exit out of one, you might end up in death. If you exit out of another, you don't know what's going to happen next. If you exit out of another one, you think, I don't like that part. But all, you've got to know how to walk with God and say, okay, which door is going to close or how many doors are going to close before I choose the right one. So then the principle of waiting comes in. See? But we can't wait because we want the answer now. So we try to make it happen now and that's when the trouble comes. He said, but they that wait upon the law. Right? They that wait upon the Lord. And he says, Abraham through faith and patience inherited his promises. 25 years he had to wait before he saw the promise. Walked through the wilderness, went through all sorts of difficulties. So waiting upon the Lord is a second principle that comes into play after you choose. And then when you, when you wait upon the Lord, your strength is renewed, you mount up like eagles and fly high, nobody can catch you. So we have to choose wisely. Mankind sinned against God by choice and cannot say that we were deceived because after coming to the knowledge of the truth, they chose to sin some. See, Adam and Eve sinned, made a mistake. The next person should have realized from this, the, the, the consequences that they faced, what was awaiting them, they made the wrong choices. That's why we go around preaching the gospel, telling the people who we are and what it is that God has done in our lives. I don't want to kick people and say, you know, everything will be okay the moment you get prayed for and the blessing, the anointing comes up. And they fall down and they laugh and all this carry on and they get delivered, they get healed or something else happens to them and then, you know, exciting encounter with God and all sorts of things happen to them and they say, wow, I met God today. You know, something happened and you say, I was healed of a disease of 25 years. You know, that's God and all this sort of stuff. And they're hurrah, 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 everybody's happy about it. And then they go out and they're all alone. They're all alone. Where's God? Where is God? It comes by putting Him first. Constantly, every morning when you get up, every time when you go out, when you go to bed at night, every time. Putting God first. Amen. That's the choice that you've got to make. A deliberate choice. No, I will choose God. Amen. I will choose His ways. I will choose what He has done. I will choose to walk with Him. And I know that when I do that, He will bless me. Choosing puts us in a place of going further with God. Or remaining where we are with no real benefit. 
I want to finish up with this. Some of us are born here, but we are going nowhere. And as a pastor of the church, I can see it. Because I've been working with you for three and a half years. Some of you five and a half. But you're going nowhere. You're coming to the supper table and you're eating. But you're eating just enough to survive. That's what you're doing. And God's waiting for you. God's sitting on his throne and waiting for you to make the right choices. But every time you come to make that choice, your personality, your thought life, your culture, your background, your understanding of the world, your sorrows, your pains, your past, all kick in. And say, don't make that choice of God's call on your life. And that doesn't mean you have to pack your bags and go to Africa or some other place, uh, India or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God wants to give you. What God is saying, if you will make the right choice, I can bless you. People are deviating from the call of God on their lives, following. Esau sold his birthright for a mere morsel of food. What are you and I doing? What are you and I doing? Because, you see, the truth is we don't see the value of the offer of God to us. We have taken what God has given us in Christ Jesus and we we'll put it into a box and we say, that's the confinement within which I will operate. So, salvation, healing, deliverance, blessings, or finances. That's all I want. That's all Jesus was for. Now, if that's all Jesus wanted, and if that's all Jesus came for, what a waste of time. What a waste of time. You know, the Sadducees said, there is no resurrection. What a waste of time. Paul asked them, Why, what's the point of living then? If all you want to do is eat and drink and go to your deathbed, what's the point of living? Some of us are doing that. We're Sadducees. We're just eating and drinking, building houses, bigger houses, more things we're accumulating and putting in the house. Because you say God has blessed us, but not one, not many are seeking God. Yeah, I'm God, brother. What are you talking about? You know why the other day he did this and the other day he did that. But you're missing out on what God had purpose for you in the throne room because you haven't bothered to go in there. And this church, okay, is sitting on the periphery all the time. All the time. Just satisfied with the muscles that fall off the table. But he said, listen, I've said before you, 
And think about this. He said, I have set before you. What are you saying, God? He said, I can give you what is not seen by the eye or heard by the ear or has entered into your heart. But I have prepared. And you're looking at the set table and you're saying, oh, there's salvation, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's a little bit of money, you know, there's a bit of joy, there's a bit of peace. And he's saying, listen, you're missing a point. I want to be one with you. And I want you to be one with me. You're missing the point. It's only when you become one with Him that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But in order for me to become one with Him, I should make Him welcome. I should purify my life. I should purify who I have been made. So that the temple of the living God can house the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm building a house using Jesus as the cornerstone, the apostles and the prophets, for the habitation of the Spirit. And everything else will flow out of that, out of that habitation, will flow the miracle signs and wonders and salvation. We don't have to even consider it. Because it happens automatically. When you become, see, when Jesus went into the town, they followed him automatically. He didn't say, take a megaphone and, and say, oh, please follow me. You know, I am Jesus the Savior. I've come from heaven to save you. No, 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 no. They didn't have to do any of the things. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because thou hast anointed me. The moment you are anointed, they will follow you automatically. The good ones, the right ones. There were thieves and robbers who wanted to come and steal, kill and destroy as well. But, he saved those who had to be saved. He said, I haven't even lost one except the son of perdition. So let us come to that place where we begin to ask God not for the things of this world. Because the blessings of this world are already given in Christ. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added to you. So don't worry about the blessings of this world. Don't even pray about it. That's my advice to you. I need this, I need that. He knows what you need. It comes automatically. See, when we have an opportunity to serve God, we take a new job. When we have an opportunity to come to church, we choose to go somewhere else. Because we're so scared. You know, we lose out on our fun. We lose out on, on, on taking a job and getting a higher pay and a higher promotion. Why live a life of suffering for Christ when, when I can do the other stuff? But the whole time in your system, you are churning. The fire is burning and burning and burning and it's burning out. Because pretty soon you lose sight of what God has for you. And then you won't care anymore. But you will be talking to all the visiting pastors and prophets and preachers about it. 
And they cannot do anything for you. They will prophesy. They will say, oh brother, you are called. I've been watching something. Hey brother, you are called. You know, the blessings of the Lord. So I said, I'd love to meet that guy five years from now. And see where he's at. Yeah, you fall down and anointing. Yeah, but God is doing that. Yes, it is God. It's not the prophet's problem or fault. He is doing what God has told him because God is constantly reminding that guy, hey, listen, I've called you, but you're not coming. And God's saying to you, I've called you, but you're not coming. You're fighting me. You think you think that it's me? You think it's the pastor who's, who's whipping you and beating you to, to turn up for the prayer meetings? Or to Sunday morning service. It's not me, man. It's God. So where's your commitment? No, I've got a function. I've got to go for the function. I've got something else. I've got to go for that. You know, somebody else takes priority over God all the time. So you choose wrong. But you want God to show up in your house and solve all your problems. Yeah. Now, let's get real. We are dealing with the living God. Okay? We are dealing with the living God. I'm not talking about you getting to heaven. Don't get me wrong. Because some people only want to get into heaven. I think those people who just want to get into heaven, they'll take half of eternity to get to the throne room. Because they'll be so way back in the queue. Because they're not prepared in their hearts. They're not purified enough in their hearts. They're not sanctified. You know, somebody said, don't think when you get to heaven, you can just walk into the throne room. No, 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 you have to be prepared there as well. You might meet Jesus, but you won't meet Father God. You can't just walk in. Hi, Dad. I'm over here. Well, you might be out somewhere else. No, we have to reverence our God. We have to fear our God. We've got to understand His ways. We've got to ask Him, why have you put me on this earth? What is it that I'm doing in Calvary Assembly? Who am I? You know, what do you call me for? Help me, strengthen me. Help me to receive what you're saying to me. Make, help me to make the right choices. And the devil's always getting in on it and giving you something of the world. So you follow the world and you say, that's God. For some God's waiting for you to go and save the world. Preach the gospel. Turn the world upside down. Do something that will shake it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that there is no place like being in your presence. It may shake us, it may cause us to be ripped apart like Isaiah found out in your presence. And he said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Wash my mouth, cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse this church, cleanse the heart, attitude of this church today. And cause it to submit and yield to your will and purpose. And not look to this world and what this world can offer. But to take a message of salvation, healing and deliverance 
and of reconciliation, of oneness with you to a world that's dying out there. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will abandon ourselves in your hand knowing that we can trust you every step of the way. Protect us, our thoughts, our relationships, and our needs even. That we do not choose the wrong thing. But that we will choose life. Jesus and his words. In Jesus' name I pray.